Welcome to the Knox Presbyterian Church podcast. We hope this is a blessing to you. Let's jump into the sermon. You may be seated. It's tempting to imagine what would happen if I forgot to tell you to sit down before I preached my sermon. Um, maybe you'd stay and stand for the whole thing. I don't know. Maybe some of you would pass out. Let's not find out. You should be seated. My name is Reverend Dr. David Bruner. I'm the co-pastor here at Knox Presbyterian Church. As many of you know, we're in the middle of a sermon series called Better Together. It's looking at the ups and downs, the joys and challenges of Christian community. And lately, we've been looking at practices, habits that help Christians do community well, that help us flourish as part of the body of Christ. Things like love and prayer. Most people are pretty high on love and prayer. They think love and prayer are pretty good things. Humility is the practice we're looking at this week. Humility is not quite as popular. It's not the most popular virtue today. If you look at the most successful people in our society, actors, politicians, celebrities, athletes, business leaders, One thing they probably have in common is that the word humble is not the first word we would reach to to describe them. Hmm? Nevertheless, we as the church are called to practice humility in our lives. And the easiest way to understand why is to listen to the witness of the Bible, to turn to Holy Scripture and hear its message. And one particularly clear illustration of the importance of humility for the Christian life is found in the 13th chapter of John's Gospel. I'll read it for you now. You can follow along with the words on the screen or grab a pew Bible if you'd like. John says this. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, you do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no share with me. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had returned to the table, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. 
Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. So John tells us that Jesus washed his disciples' feet. He washed their feet. Some of you are probably familiar with that story. It may be new to others of you, but it's an incredibly resonant gesture. There's a lot going on there, and so I want to just briefly unpack it today to help us understand more about why humility is so important in the Christian life. So we'll start with the obvious. Nobody wore Nikes in the ancient world. Nobody wore Jimmy Choo's. Nobody wore Allbirds. People wore sandals. Basic practical footwear for Palestine. And I'm sure you can imagine as people walked around the dirty, dusty streets of ancient Palestine, what happened to their feet? They got gunk on them. They got dirt on them. They got dust and mud and sand and excrement and Lord knows what else on those feet. And so taking time each day to scrub off your feet was an important part of basic hygiene, right? Sure, we can all grasp this. When I lived in New York City, before I met Becca, uh, same was true for me. I'd hop up on a summer morning, I'd throw on my flip-flops, I'd go out and travel the streets of New York City. I'd run errands, I'd see friends, I'd take the subway. Then I got home, before I went to bed each night, what did I do? Wash my feet, right? I didn't want to bring the magical streets of New York City into bed with me. So foot washing was about hygiene, but it was also about hospitality. In the ancient world, when you dined with someone, it was customary for the person that was hosting to wash your feet as a sign of welcome, as a sign of care, as a way to make you as clean and comfortable as possible when you ate. Here's where it gets interesting. So as you can imagine, the host wasn't always eager to wash his guest's feet kind of a dirty job, right? You're hunched over, you're getting face-to-face with someone's dirty dogs. So they usually delegated that task to someone else. Someone else further down the ladder whose job it was to do the dirty work. Foot washing wasn't just about hygiene, and it wasn't just about hospitality. It was also about hierarchy, about social status, about who's up and who's down. It was about the ability of the proud and the powerful to escape the distasteful tasks that the rest of us have to do. And that's why Peter reacts with such shock when Jesus begins to wash his feet. Did you notice that? He starts washing his feet and Peter says, are you washing my feet? And he says, yes. And he says, Jesus, no way. You'll never do that. The way it worked in the ancient world was that the rabbi was supposed to have his feet washed by his students. It was not supposed to happen the other way around. Jesus, as usual, is taking the established hierarchy of his day and turning it on its head. It is absolutely no accident that elsewhere in Scripture, the Apostle Paul tells us that Jesus humbled himself and took on the role of a servant. Jesus had a place in the hierarchy of things that was his by right. He had come from God and he was going to God. 
Scripture tells us. God had put all things into his hands. He could have just sat back and said, sure, Peter, time for you to wash my feet. Chop, chop. Let's get going. But he didn't. He didn't. Instead, he zipped his lip, he wrapped a towel around himself, and he started working. And you and I are called to do the same thing. We're called to do the same thing. Jesus is very explicit in this passage. He says, servants are not greater than their masters. What he did, we are called to do also. We are called to embrace the humility that leads to service. We are called to embrace those humble, unglamorous, often hidden acts of service that express Christ's love, that build up the community. And that's why we do this. That's why we do Knox Serves. It's a way of setting aside one Sunday a year to do nothing except honor Christ's commandment to serve humbly. It's a way of trying to forget ourselves for a week and focus on the needs of others. And it's a way of tapping into this mysterious, wonderful power that comes when we serve others. It's a bit hard to explain, but it's true. When we humble ourselves, when we make less of ourselves, God starts working. And we experience more of his power than we otherwise would. There's a Russian author named Fyodor Dostoevsky. Some of you may remember his name from high school or college. He was a Christian person and he wrote several wonderful books about our faith. And in one of his books, he said this, at some thoughts, one stands perplexed, especially at the sight of men's sin and wonders whether one should combat it by force or humble love. Always decide to use humble love. If you resolve on that once and for all, you may subdue the whole world. Loving humility is marvelously strong, the strongest of all things. There is nothing else like it. Friends, he's right, you know. Loving humility is marvelously strong, and there's nothing else like it. I want you to remember that today when you go out to serve. When you paint someone's house, when you make sandwiches, when you clean up someone's lawn, when you visit people in a retirement community, whatever you're doing today, I want you to remember that God's power, the power of humble servant love is at work in and through you because it is. Because it is. By way of conclusion, I want to offer two challenges to everyone here today. The first is this. I want you to remember to pray. I know you're probably all in a hurry for me to stop talking and to get out there and to serve. And that's a good thing. When you get out there, don't forget to pray. Ask the Spirit to be present. Ask Him to fill you with His love. Ask Him to help you forget yourself and focus on someone else. 
And I want to say, I know there are some people that won't be able to serve with us today. I know there are some people at home watching in, in your jammies probably and saying to yourself, I didn't know this was happening today. Please pray for us. Please pray for all of us who will be serving because you can be an incredible partner with us even if you're not out there today. That's the first thing. Don't forget to pray. The second is this. Don't stop serving when today is over. Don't stop serving when today is over. There's about a month between today and Thanksgiving. See if you can find one way to concretely serve someone else in the next four weeks. Doesn't have to be a big deal. Rake some leaves, do some dishes, give somebody a ride somewhere. Probably won't be exciting or glamorous, but when you do it, the most powerful force in the world is at your side. The power of humble servant love. Go and serve in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information on how to get connected here at Knox, please visit knoxprez.org.